All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Raising Unicorns. I'm joined today by the one, the only, Ryan Todd Powell. There's a lot of us out there, actually. I Googled it. <laughs> okay, the one on, and only that works at Harmon Brothers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a book throwdown! So today on the podcast, we are reviewing How to Get Ideas, this book by Jack Foster. It's a really, it's not that huge of a book. It's actually pretty short, but it's, I would say it's incredibly dense. And what it does is it, it's basically a set of like tips and, and principles of how to train your mind to come up with new ideas more naturally and easier and do it almost subconsciously. And also just like teaches you how to get in touch with like your inner child, if you will, because kids, if you have kids, they're just like wells of creativity because they don't have any constraints on their mind. They just like come up with the most random crap. And most of it is just crap, but a lot of it is amazing. <laughs> and yeah. like that, I think that's like a, a, the, something he talks about. So it's really fascinating. But yeah, it's a really interesting I, I, a book that basically kind of covers how to do that on every aspect of creativity in, in, throughout your entire life. Yeah. I really like the idea that like ideas are inherently destructive because it usually comes back and sir, you know, supplants or destroys an old system or old thought. That yeah, was, and, and and you can see that a a lot, especially today with like um like Tesla for example. Like you know, there's electric cars now, and so and they're so fast, and they're so fast, and they're really fun. <laughs> but a lot of people are very resistant to it, yeah. you know, and like because it's it takes a tremendous amount of energy. But now, like ultimately, you're going to be in a better spot. Yeah. When there's a transition to it. Plus, then you have like plaid mode and fart buttons that like make sound like you make the car fart. One thing that I wanted to talk about with you, Ryan, that I thought rang so true to our experience at Harm Brothers is the, the, I can't remember where the reference was in the book, but he basically said like there's this, you know, old school management tactic of like, you know, teams of accomplishing, you know, uh, tasks are like eight to 10 people with like a manager at the head of it. And he's like, I do not have that experience. My experience is that it's two to three people coming together and ideating. And I cannot count the number of times where even you and I specifically have been like just spitballing stuff or other like you and Sean's and Brennan, like you guys are like two peas in a pod. I don't know what it is about the chemistry of like two to three creatives in a room, like just like brainstorming something or problem solving, problem solving something that like genuinely feels like a magical number. Cause I, I even feel like sometimes at our retreats, like it's hard with four people and a creative director yes. to get stuff done. So oftentimes we'll break into two little pods of two and three to go focus on specific tasks within the script itself. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I love working with, you know, one or two other people. And I've told this to Sean, because um, Sean and I, Sean's like one of my main collaborators, right? I think it, it, like to me, it reminds me of like how a Jacob's Ladder works. Like, you know, you can't have the two, like the electrons jumping back and forth with just one wire. You know, you've got the two wires, electricity is going back and forth and it rises to the top to the top. And that makes me think of kind of like our ideas. I'm like, what if this bounce it over to him? He goes, oh, yeah. And what if you did this with that? Boom. And it just bounces back and forth until we like get to the solution. Yes, I know what a Jacob's ladder is. It's the thing with the <laughs> wires that it goes. <laughs> now I know what you're talking about. You talk about the two antenna. Yeah, yeah. And it goes like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it's always in science fiction movies where it's like, or like an old school, like mad scientist. Yeah, yeah. Now I am educated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I've been, I've been like around Ryan and Sean when they're like on a jam session and like whether it's at a writing retreat or a post-writing retreat where they're working on an idea 
And it is like, there is a good, there's a really good chemistry with that size of group, like two to three people where it's just like, you can spitball and have fun and, and energy. Like you can almost feel the energy like building in the room as you're like having good ideas and it helps like open up your brain to like other ideas. And like, and like this leads to another principle that he talks about in the book is like in that two or three people, like it's really, it's, it's really important to that you're both comfortable failing in front of each yes. other. Like, and he says like, that's really hard when one of them is your boss or a supervisor, because like, unless your supervisor or boss is willing to make what he says, make a total ass of himself, his or herself, like it's not going to work. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's something we like, we try really hard culturally not to shut down ideas because oftentimes like a bad idea that's thrown out there, even if it's like outrageous, like there's no way we could do it. Bad ideas will spur good ideas that we can do and that are like really solid. Yeah, no, that's like one of my favorite parts of the book. It's like, don't be afraid to shout out, shout out ideas. There's more than one solution um, there. And, and the more ideas you come up with, the more good ideas you're going to have. Mm -hmm. um, it's like you hear a lot, especially with writers, like your first draft of something is going to be garbage. And just to get it out there. And I think that's true, but I like to look at it a different way. I think I think it was Jordan Peele who said, like, he, he kind of looks at it um, as if it's a sandbox and you're just trying to fill that box with sand so that you can make your sand castle out mm. of all that sand. And those and that sand that you're pouring in is all the ideas. You don't you don't care how good or bad they are. Just, you're, you're just pouring them in, pouring them in. And then, then you can sculpt something. You can shape something really right. like your masterpiece, right? Yeah, but if you don't fill a sandbox with sand, you literally can't build a castle no matter what. Yeah, because you're like, not going to just pluck a like the most brilliant, all like fully fleshed out idea just out of thin air. Yeah, probably. it's got to have a good foundation with lots of bad ideas at the base of it. <laughs> yeah, you, you need fuel. You yeah. need fuel, right? Yeah. So that's that's to me, that's what those ideas are. It's like. Let's just throw them out. Let's let's play. What if? That's another game that mm -hmm. Jack Foster says is like uh, says like they played at their agency. It's like, what if this happened, or what if you did this? What if this? And you're just asking questions, you know? Yeah. And you're not saying we should do this. Yeah. We should do this thing. This idea is good. It's just like, what if this? What if this? And you're just you're just very curious, and you're asking all these questions, and you're becoming, you know, you're you're trying to be, uh, you're trying to like let your walls come down. Be more like a child, you know. He also references that. That's mm -hmm. that's a section in the a chapter in the book. Um, yeah, just like be really curious. Just just let let kind of let go. Just yeah, wander around. And I, and I think that that's like a big thing that is tough for people to do. This I, my opinion on this is like throughout the whole book and all of the barriers of being creative. I feel like this is often the biggest barrier is people don't want to feel stupid. Yeah, and people don't want to take. Because I mean, saying an idea is somewhat of a, you're putting yourself out there, you're putting your your idea in some ways you feel like represents you, your intellect or your creativity. Yeah. And I feel like that oftentimes prevents people from getting ideas. And like we do, we, we mess around a ton in the office and we give each other a ton of crap and we rip each other pretty hard. Yeah. Like, when Nikki got hired here, she's one of our, lead, uh, she's our lead editor here at Harm Brothers. She was like, do you guys like? each other <laughs> i was like yeah dude like we love each other she's like oh because you guys are like really mean but it's funny because we get in a writer's room it's never like hey ryan that's a really crappy idea you know what i mean like i feel like like i i don't know i've never said i've never heard you or sean or kellen or kelly or or um shay it never 
if it if a joke falls falls flat, it's like you just like it's like oh okay cool. Uh, what else we got? You know, it's never like let's dwell on it or let's make him feel bad because mm-hmm. that's like the worst thing for creativity in yeah. a writer's room for sure. Is like because then you shut down and then you like you're hesitant to share answers or, yeah. or, or share or to share ideas. Yeah, and that's one thing. Like I know uh, Sean has vocalized this to me in the past. He's like he's like a lot of times I don't quite get what you're saying when you when you present an idea to me, but I try to trust you because I know something good could come out of it. I'm like, thanks, man. <laughs> He's like, I don't understand what the freak you're saying. But I'm like, yes, there's something good in there. One of my favorite uh, stories that he has in here, partly because it's like, did that they really do that? It's this telephone company that was training operators and they had this really great training procedure which made them the best operators in the country by a long shot, right? And But then what they realized is they were having all these amazing operators who were getting recruited by the government or competing telephone companies and it was driving the executive team nuts. And they're like, well, let's just, let's just pay them more money. And so they paid them more money and they would like send their spouse like flowers all, like periodically and like doing all these perks. And no matter what they did, they just kept losing all their really great employees that they had trained because the, the competition would just pay them more. And so, and that's like kind of paying more is more what, what he calls a think vertically um, decision. And he says, you need to think laterally. And so they had this like conversation in the boardroom where it's like, how do we stop all of our great operators? This is what 1940s, I imagine, I don't know when this was. Operators, when were they still around? 60s, 50s? I don't know. It's a great question. Uh, we'll say it's the 50s. I'm so young. I'm I don't so know. young. <laughs> What's a DVD? <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my grandma. <laughs> Um, but like they, they were like, oh, how do we stop losing these operators? That's how they talked then. Uh-huh. And they were like, yeah, I just want to chop their legs off so they can't leave to a different job. And like uh, someone's guys, like, wait a second. <laughs> we really should do that. What an idea. And they like, this is like a true story, really. They literally hired like amputees or people that like were did not or born without like lower half, like and built their entire company around it where they had like all these ramps, they had these special accommodations, they had all the systems that were like set up for them so it would work perfectly for these people who like were paraplegic or amputees. And they hired them and it stopped their competition from doing that because they're like, well, we don't want to change our entire infrastructure just for this one move. Yeah. And they kept on to all their talent. No, I don't know if that would work today. Like, I feel like there's maybe something problematic about that story. I can't well articulate what it is. <laughs> but but it is a, it is a good example in that it gets the idea across. It's like yeah. instead of trying to one up your competition in traditional ways, um, just try to attack the problem from a completely different angle. Yeah, very unexpected angles. Yes, there, I mean there, there's there's a lot of other approaches. They're not as obvious. Yeah. And in, in many ways, it was, uh, he talks about this later on in the book, is like asking, trying to solve for a different problem than the, mo- than the most obvious one. Yes. You know, and like being like, oh, let's, if we solve a different problem, it actually creates the outcome that we want, but it wasn't the problem we were originally trying to solve. Yeah. You've got to ask different questions. Yeah. Because I, he had a really good quote in here. Um, from uh, Einstein, he says, the formulation of the problem is often more essential than its solution or outcome, which I thought was such an interesting thing is like asking the right question often can be the thing that can reframe it in your mind for good ideas and good solutions to be brought about. And that kind of leads into um, what I believe is the final chapter or like the one of the last chapters of the book, which is like, if you have a good idea, do something about it. Yeah. Which it's, it's like so true. Like, uh, I t- like I like to 
attempt screenwriting on the side, right? Don't let him be modest, guys. <laughs> but I, I'll He's talk to a, a lot of... screenwriter. Uh, well, maybe someday. But I'll, I'll talk to like a lot of people like, and and mention that in conversation or they know that about me and they're like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I love like coming up with like movie ideas. I think that's so fun. I'm like, And they start, you know, questioning me about it. I'm like, oh, have you like written anything? Oh, no, nah, it's like too much work. I, I kid you not. Like that happens all the time. I'm like, who's got the time? Yeah, but it, Jack Foster talks about like if... You know, there's a lot of people that will get a good idea and then they'll tell someone about it and they'll be like, that's a great idea. And then the person with the idea will feel all warm and fuzzy and they'll be glowing and then they won't do anything about it. And it's like, well, what's the point? Mm -hmm. You know, and I've been guilty of that. Oh, I think, yeah. I think everybody has at one point or another. So I'm trying to do a lot better at that. So like he offers a bunch of solutions and I've been applying some of those and they really do help. So it's like one of his ideas is or one of his suggestions is uh, when you get a good idea and you want to make uh, first, don't hesitate. Just like jump in while you're like still while really, yeah, while it's hot, while your you're energy really is high. Yeah. And you're really enthusiastic about it. Um, and then another thing is put some money towards it, mm -hmm. right? Because um, you're not going to be that enthusiastic for the whole process. You're going to have to be disciplined. And how can you be disciplined with it? Um, and then one of those things that he suggests is put some money towards it. So like, because um, you're investing in the idea. You're investing in the idea. So yeah. for me, like I'd come up with this screenplay idea a couple of years ago and I've been working on it off and on for a while. And then I hit, I hit kind of a, a rut and I was like, oh, I need to break out of this rut. And um, I heard about a class with a screenwriter, like a, a pretty successful producer screenwriter in Hollywood. And I joined that class and it costs some money. You know, it's like, okay, I'm paying, you know, $750 or something for this class um, to help me take this to or get this um, or not produced necessarily, but, but written. And if I'm paying that much money, I'm, it's a lot more likely that I'm going to spend the amount of time that's necessary in order to get it done. Instead of just being like, oh, I had this great idea. So fun. Worked at it for a little while. And, and then, then gave up. And then gave up, <laughs> which is, which I've done a lot. Yeah. You know, so like, that's a really great suggestion. That's helped me a lot. And I've done that a couple times now with this, one idea specific script with yeah. a specific script yeah well i feel like that that like again this goes beyond just this is like a really solid principle in general if you want to stick with something i mean that was like the difference between like like ryan he goes to a gym he's been going to a gym for a long time and i was like obviously. i wanted to be obviously he's jacked <laughs> you see him shirtless meow <laughs> But um, like, I, I feel like I always like wanted to and I signed up for like one of the like gold's gyms that were like 10 bucks a month. And I was like, I'd go like once a week and then I'd like just not go. But then I signed up for a gym that was like an actual like, you know, hundred plus dollar a month gym. And it's like, it's the same thing. Like when you have emotional like and, and actual capital put into it, like real money, that's like a, a loss that is painful that motivates you to go do something. Yeah. And so. for the record, that gym that you pay that much money for isn't just like they give you a lot more also oh, for sure so, for sure there's a lot more that goes along with it but it is also one of those things i mentally cannot stand when i miss like two weeks and i'm like yeah well that was a waste of 50 bucks yeah. you know yeah. like or more and so uh but it is the same way with it so i think it applies to a lot of things like invest in the things the ideas that you have or like the goals that you want to accomplish right absolutely well, cool, man. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for paying me so much money to be here. Oh, you're welcome. He gets very handsomely rewarded. <laughs> with handsome reward for a handsome man. We pay him in baby food to humiliate him. <laughs> 
jokes on him. I love carrots. <laughs> when they're the softer, the better. <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Raising Unicorns, guys. <laughs> thank you for watching Raising Unicorns. Subscribe now.